Hey guys, a new MTV project from the creators of Catfish, the TV show, is looking to help anyone ready to let go of a secret once and for all. Do you have a secret that you have been keeping from a friend or a loved one? Has this secret spiraled out of control, leading you to live a double life? Are you exhausted from covering it all up or just tired of living a life that feels like a lie? Are you worried your secret will cause a rift between you and a friend or loved one? So many questions. Is the guilt of your deception affecting your life? Will you be estranged from your friend or loved one if they find out what you've been hiding? Are you afraid of losing them but feel completely consumed by the secret? Are you tired of living with this burden? Well, a new MTV project from the creators of Catfish is looking to help anyone ready to help those who feel trapped by their secrets. With the guidance of their team, they want to help you free yourself from your secret to get closure you deserve in a safe, supportive environment. Like MTV's secret casting Facebook page for a link to the official application and submit your story today. Hey guys, welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. I am Josh Horowitz, and you're listening to my podcast, In Your Ears. I assume it's in your ears, because if you're listening to it through some other part of your body, you should see a doctor immediately. Uh, welcome to the show. This week, you're going to hear from uh, the wonderful, the enigmatic, the bizarre, the fantastic actor that is Mr. Ezra Miller. Uh, I, have a, I have a guest here, too. Michael, say hi. Hello. That's Michael. Hi. Michael, what, what do we even call you? What are you? You are a producer extraordinaire. You I, help with a lot of my stuff. Yeah, I like to say I'm your spiritual consultant. Let's not say that. Okay, that's not true. So I won't say I'm it. Spiritually dead inside. So yeah, you're there's doing not a, really a lot shitty of work job to as do. a consultant. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I help um, uh, kind of write questions and bits and uh, help take the videos to the finalized place. He's he's doing a great job, and um, he was present for Mr. Ezra Miller. This That's was your true. first experience. Yeah, uh, I never Ezra. met him. What did uh, you think of Ezra? Well, let's just say I wasn't surprised when he said he spends a lot of time in Vermont. <laughs> spoiler, <laughs> spoiler there. You know, I wish I could have skipped past that part. But he, uh, so he, Ezra, I should say, if you don't know Ezra's work, um, go see Perks of Being a Wallflower. If you're really in a depressed mood, go see. We need to talk about Kevin uh, because that is a serious freaking movie oh man it's not one? a fun date movie no <laughs> also you, not fun I, if you're thinking about having kids ever right, right. or getting married <laughs> or having relationships or yeah just speaking to another human yeah. being so don't see we need to talk about kevin unless you want to go through all that although yeah. it is really actually a very yeah. good movie um but also go see because out in theaters right now are not one but two ezra miller films what a Bounty of Riches we're mm -hmm. experiencing in 2015. Trainwreck is out right now. Uh, the wonderful Amy Schumer, of course, wrote and stars in it. It's really funny. Uh, Judd Apatow directed it. And Ezra has a small part that's um, kind of unlike anything he's ever done. It's his first mm -hmm. studio film. We talk about that in this podcast. And also, really, the, the one he was really here to get into um, in a big way was a movie called The Stanford Prison Experiment, which I got a chance to see at Sundance. And actually is kind of along the lines of we need to talk about Kevin in that it is like super sobering stuff. It's, it's, I mean, you could fall down a rabbit hole on the internet to find out about the actual Stanford prison experiments that took place in the early seventies. It's basically functions as a thriller. It's about, um, a 
a professor at Stanford who put students through this exercise in which um, he kind of separated them along the lines of um, guards and prisoners in a fake prison and sort of saw what happened to their interpersonal dynamics and how they behaved and how they kind of retreated into stereotypes. And it's it's an amazing true story. And it's it's a really great film uh, with an astounding ensemble, Michael Angarano kills it in this movie and Ezra does as well and um, so this was a fun conversation that we covered a lot in it right yeah it was great and I I, th- I really liked how uh, how personal Ezra was yeah. he was just like uh, no matter what you asked him he he kind of like he was very truthful yeah he didn't uh, wasn't giving any canned answers for exactly. sure exactly yeah. and any any and the movies sound great yeah and, and any interview where like yeah the um, the subject is is happily talking about the time they were kicked out of camp at 13 for smoking pot <laughs> yeah that that's a good interview yeah, you know it's gonna go good places Dan and he Dench doesn't talk about that stuff. No, not at all. Well, she was kicked out of... Uh, it was heroin. Yeah, it was heroin. <laughs> hardcore. Yeah, and it was a finishing school in Britain, so different uh, different regulations. I always ask you guys for some questions. Let's take a couple questions. Michael, maybe you can help me from sure. the guys that sent in some questions this week. Um, as always, hit me up on Twitter. Just send it in with the hashtag happy second fuse, and I'll answer them right on this podcast just for you guys. Um, Wizard Dean wants to know which Avengers I would like to be. Mm. man um i think i would like to be i feel like i want to be i want to be tony stark yeah because he's super rich yeah he's uh got good wit he's a genius he's smart he's witty Mm -hmm. and he's not like nothing fucked up with his body i mean he does have heart issues that's that's true true, but Mm -hmm. he's but they seem to be cleared up yeah after that third movie was it the second movie or third movie anyway he's fine now he's okay yeah (laughs) totally fine um what do you got michael What, what avenger would you be um, I mean, it's tough because if Spider-Man, Spider-Man's like not in the movie Avengers, but I know he's like part of the crew in the comics from time to time, that would be great. So you're going extended Avengers. Okay. Yeah. But if I had to go just like classic in the movies, I mean, Thor seems like a lot of fun. I, I think uh, it's when he swings his hammer and flies, I'm always interested in like, you're just falling. Right. You're just falling <laughs> up. You're hurtling yourself through space. I want to be Chris Hemsworth. I don't know if I want to be Thor. Yeah. I'd rather be Chris Hemsworth because I don't look good with long hair. Right? I want to keep it trim. pull anything off. Yeah, it's true. Um, final question from Ortiz Luis. Favorite moment from Comic-Con? P.S. Thanks for asking Guillermo de Toro about Disneyland with Gosling. Uh, yeah, that was mm. a fun moment. Yeah. Um, we had a lot of fun. Michael was out there at Comic-Con with yep. me. Um, we, I talked about Bill Murray. We posted that as the podcast last week. That was certainly a highlight for me. Um I liked the Hiddleston, Chastain, two of my favorite people, Mia Wachowska. That was a fun interview. I think my favorite was uh, TJ Miller on the Deadpool panel talking about (laughs) Weasel. But then going on a, this is probably not going to be in any of the videos, (laughs) but he just goes on like a four minute rant about uh, the MTV generation and uh, 14 and pregnant, uh, which then (laughs) goes into 28 and pregnant. uh, And he just, uh, he's a nonstop force of hilarity. Yeah, that was was really fun. He's going to, I bet he's going to steal a lot of the scenes in Deadpool, though that whole film sounds batshit crazy in the best possible way. Yeah. Um, That was comic. Con. It was insane. Go to MTV's page, MTV YouTube's page. We've got a ton of videos up. Check it out. We did have a, a blast there. Uh, but on to the main event. Here we go, guys. As always, hit me up on Twitter. Tell me who you want to hear from. Send me your questions. But for now, enjoy the very unique, the very talented, uh, the fantastic. What other adjective? Um, uh, uh, grounded? Sure. Maybe not grounded. Yeah, ground, yeah, it's grounded. A spiritual? Spiritual. The spiritual, the very spiritual. Eccentric. Ezra Miller.
Uh, is everybody good? Are we all? And you know you're going to be podcasted as well. Full audio now, enjoyment. What's that? Yeah, let's talk. Podcasted yes. or simply podcast? Oh, that's an interesting... You tell me, I don't know. Uh, nor do I. <laughs> Have you been podcasted before? Um, do you feel it happening right now? Uh, is it already happening? It, it's happening. You, don't, you didn't feel I, the I, change in the fabric of your DNA, the change in the atmosphere? Does it do something to my DNA? I, oh, God, we have to have you <laughs> test it afterwards. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. Wait a wait a second. <laughs> um, Ezra, it's good to see you, buddy, as I Me said. Um, it's been a, I mean, I, I, I've seen you not in official interview settings recently, Rants Union Square. Um, that's true. That's when you were shooting, I think, Trainwreck, actually. Was I? I think you were, because I had just been on set the day before and lamented that I did not see you there. Oh, yeah. So there you go. Um, see? Just, you know, circle. just cry my name. And... <laughs> it's like Beetlejuice. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Be careful now. We've got one. Right. <laughs> okay, let's well, keep I already that have in mind. Everybody keep that in mind. <laughs> We've got one. And so. <laughs> Save it. Save it for when you really need Ezra in your life. That's two. Okay. Ooh, I'm talking about the, you know. Uh, okay. I'm talking about right the the Keaton character. Oh, I got you, got you. I, I'm already here. <laughs> like, I'm not trying to summon that guy. I got it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you have a good time last night. You were at the Trainwreck premiere celebrating a, a fun role in a fun movie. Yeah, it was really really joyous, and I felt I don't know. I mean, cheesy times, but I felt really like kind of overwhelmed and yeah. honored and moved to be a part of this project that I feel like uh, is just like composed of pe all people who are so much funnier than I am. Well, <laughs> and I feel like I was just, uh, yeah, I just feel honored. Well, it, it, it also it. strikes me that, I mean, it's kind of, correct me if I'm wrong, it's like your first official kind of studio film you've been a part of, or at least on that level or that kind of I film. That's, I, think, I think one could say that. Did yeah. it feel, I mean, you know, Judd's sets are pretty casual, the way, and Amy, obviously. Um, did it feel that much different than the kind of work you've done before? Did you feel a little out of your element or feel comfortable or what? Definitely, I didn't feel like there was anything in terms of the like budget or scale of the film that made it feel different. What felt different is just that working on that set is a very unique experience. Yeah. The way Judd Apatow runs a set is amazing and definitely was new to me in a way that that made sense, you know, in a way that's really fun. Yeah. Like that you only roll out the entire roll of film and keep going. Right and see what you can find in that time. And then they're getting so much footage that they have dudes there who just take notes on when it was maybe funny. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And Judd is like this incredible machine of a human being, like really special individual who it seems like he's a machine that like feeds on the fuel of funny. Totally. And when, I mean, when he's watching the monitor and you know, he does this thing where he puts an amp Right on set, and so you're having this conversation with Judd, yeah, he's where he's like, he's you, like, right? try squeeze my tits hard, <laughs> and you're like, squeeze my tits hard. He's like, try squeeze my tits a little harder. You know what I mean? He's yeah. like, squeeze my tits real hard, and he's like, just like, he's tossing it out. And then I remember one time seeing actually, and this is a moment where I was like, this dude's actually like possesses a super genius. Sure. You know, which is of course, we know that, yeah. but seeing it, 
which is that he was on the mic and, you know, he's saying whatever. He's, he's like, squeeze my tits harder. <laughs> and, and he's like, the mic breaks and he's going, squeeze my... Cocksucker, boom. And he just, just like that, it was like no emotion. He was like, cocksucker, boom. And he threw the mic down. And then he starts going, squeeze my tits harder. <laughs> like this, you know what I mean? Like, he's just got to get yeah, it done. He's, he's got to he's he needs gotta to get draw it out of the, the funny from the system. Yeah. It's, it's an algorithm. <laughs> so do you feel... Judd Apatow's a robot. This is my, <laughs> this is the, the revelation. Big, this is the headline of this explains, podcast. <laughs> explains how much he's been able to produce. There are 12 of them. Yeah, you yeah. just roll out another no, one no, to produce. No, I'm telling right. you, I'm unveiling. He's probably going <laughs> to, Judd is going to have a really, I might, I might be attacked by robot Judd so do you for feel, revealing his secrets. <laughs> do you feel it expanded your own skill set in a way that are like, okay, I can keep up with the funniest people on the planet and hold my own and... I'll say that I realize that I have a long way to go in terms of being able to contain my own laughter. I see. In oh, order, really? like You're honestly, breaking? I think that that was the. There's a scene where you're in that office, and it's just this room of comedic masters, and they were just riffing all day, and and you know, unfortunately, my face is like in the back of the shot. So I had the ability to ruin it. Why is that guy grinning constantly Yeah, the kid in the who's doing nothing, who's making no funny jokes, yeah. who's just in the background trying not to completely lose it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think that's the greatest. But yeah, I felt, I definitely felt like it was challenging me yeah. in a way that was like, like, you know, I had to raise up my game and, sure. and had to call upon resources that I really value and that I don't, exploit enough like I I was in an improv troupe oh, really? when, when I was a kid at like summer camp I was in this improv troupe <laughs> yeah. with some really amazing people um, who led it this woman named Becky Drysdale and okay. this guy named Louis Perlman who are working and doing amazing stuff in comedy yeah. uh, were just teaching at a summer camp that I happened to go to and I went and had this like improvisation training and like clowning and comedy training that was it like a theatrical like summer camp was it that kind it of was a thing? A, it was a camp that was a like a socialist work camp <laughs> in the 40s was <laughs> started by these like german communists <laughs> uh, and uh, and then it kind of in the 60s became more and more of like a creative and performing arts camp. My okay. aunt went there and then Amazing. I went there and I got kicked out. What happened? I was, I was smoking weed. Hmm. I smoked some <laughs> weed. I was 13. We were smoking weed in the bunk. Right. And this kid ratted us out, man. He ratted us out. You want to name him? I mean, no, turn about no, fair no, play. No, no, But Come you on. know who you are. You know who you are. <laughs> so, and, uh, yeah. Well, so, uh, there's a lot I want to cover. But, like, one thing that strikes me is, like, we're talking here. And it's the first time we've had a chance to really sit down and talk for a while since Perks. And Perks was almost three years ago. And it, it occurs to me that, like, I don't know, did you take a conscious break? I mean, you, it, I would think, like, the, you know, the game plan, the playbook is, you're in a big movie like that, gets a lot of heat, mm. a lot of heat for that role, mm. strike while the iron's hot, and it mm. seems like you did not go by that. Yeah. What was up with that? I think that the idea of striking while the iron's hot is, like, good, and, like, being a blacksmith is rad, and... <laughs> I'm into blacks. I'm into smithery. Uh, uh, but um, I felt that this is a crazy 
world. It's a this industry and yeah. this. Um, it requires a lot of a person in very strange, unexpected ways, uh, and I felt like it was. It's. It can be the right move to let the iron cool yeah. so that the can hold its shape. <laughs> sure. <laughs> like get deep into the blacksmith. They hope that we're going to only do blacksmith metaphors. The blacksmith talk no, with Josh but, but, yeah. but really, though, I think that um, as young artists, we are told that there is a trajectory right. that we have to take. And if we get this certain opportunity, that we have to take advantage of it and do the first huge thing that comes our way and take the offer no matter what it is yeah. and go with the program and do all the crazy press, no matter if you know what the magazine is about or not. Right. And I don't, that's not my, that's not how I wanted to do this. I wanted to maintain myself. Yeah. And I wanted to, uh, yeah, maintain a sense of my own free will in choosing. Yeah. Your own path, and this your own life path. that I really want, you know what I mean? Like that I, I love yeah. and that I'm, it also I want to like make art like yeah. and do this, but I want to do it on my own terms. And for a while, I felt like I was starting to struggle against right. some of the realities of this work. Like, the, you know, just the press stuff. You think you're making a movie and you don't think about like, well, now I'm going to have to go and all, and all of this stuff. Like, yeah. And unintentionally almost... I was struggling against it. Yeah. And that's no good because this is an amazing blessing that I'm really grateful for. You know what I mean? I don't want to be struggling against it. So to right. take a break and to like be playing music and be like yeah. getting back in my own and thinking about what the, and like waiting and waiting for the projects that felt like really, yeah. you know, my shit, what I'm passionate about. Uh, and it also feels like there's a lesson to be learned in that, like, here we are a few years later, and it's not like the career lost steam. If anything, Stanford Prison Experiment, which we're going to get into in a second, is an exceptional film. I appreciate that. And, and, and you're getting, I mean, we know you're The Flash. It doesn't get any bigger than that. Like, it didn't cost you anything. If anything, it clearly fueled your soul and your art a little bit and the yeah. career. I think, it, I think it's that, it's the trick of it. Right. Is if you actually don't buy into the rush and the craze and this feeling like it's gonna slip through your fingers. Yeah. You know, and like ground yourself in what you love to do and and where you find that, yeah. I guess, within yourself. So, so talk to me a little bit about what you've been up to. I know music is always a big part of your life. Yeah, it's like huge. the last couple of years, has that been a main source of kind of joy outside of when acting hasn't been there? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's definitely a big part of of my work and working with this band, Sons of an Illustrious Father, which I've been in since right. I was 16, and we've been working together for almost eight years now, and um, is really like a constantly fruitful and amazing process. And yeah, we've got a new album that's coming out in the new year, and we went on a tour with right. uh, with an artist we really admire. Uh, mm, and and do you take something different out of that than you do after like a, after after a gig after playing with them versus a successful day on set? Is it a different energy? Is it is it tapping into the same kind of part yeah, of the brain? The, it's the same. Yeah, it's the same. Yeah. It's, it's I mean when you um, I don't know tap the creative force. Right. It's exciting in the same way. You yeah. know what I mean? I'm sure you feel it 
yeah. when you like hit an interview and it's you like get some really solid yeah. stuff, you yeah, know, yeah. With a, or like have a real moment with a person, like sure, or when anyone's in their craft that's truly there, yeah, yeah, and they feel that creative force. I think um, I'm, I'm a big admirer. Drugs are released in the brain, totally. endorphins. Totally, we feel happy. Um, <laughs> I spoke to you guys briefly about Stanford Prison Experiment and Sundance, and it, it blew me away. Honestly, this is a, a really um, intense, <laughs> um, uh, haunting kind of film with an amazing array of performances. Kyle Patrick Alvarez has done a great job behind the camera. Um, talk to me a little bit about your interaction with this material. This has been a project that's been around for a while. This is a story that actually happened, obviously, 45 or so years ago. Yeah. Um, when did you come into contact with Way it? Way to take the math leap there. Yeah, I know. I had yeah, to run yeah, in there yeah, 44 yeah. years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty well. Um, so were you aware of this? Because this has been floating for a lot of actors yeah. for many years. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't aware of it as a project. Right. I was aware of the experiment. Had uh, a teacher, a mentor who was really important to me, uh, who was a like a guy who was a GI resistor during the Vietnam War, his name was Andrew Stapp, really important to me. And he talked to me about the Stanford Prison Experiment when I was like 14 in his history class. Right. And um, and then I watched Democracy Now! a lot, and uh, they had Professor Zimbardo on a few years before this project came into, yeah. uh, into Mott. But this project has been in some version of trying to happen since the experiment. Yeah. I mean, Zimbardo talks about when he was like flown out to, you know, to like have meetings with Hollywood execs in the 70s That's because it, because there's something so innately intriguing for any filmmaker about the idea of this complete psychological disintegration, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's also asking you've been doing some press with Dr. Oh, perfect. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's on the scene. That's amazing to me. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing to me, too. I mean, he really, what, what's so thrilling and amazing is that he identifies with this film as an account, as a, like, viable fictional and, yeah. you know, but a viable account yeah. of the experiment that he ran. Right. Which has been the basis of so much of his life's work. He's done such... Like amazing and brave and intense and ambiguous and sure. like some things questionable, but a lot of things that ultimately have brought what I think is a really important mode of thought into yeah. our social lexicon, which is like well, I think seems crucial. What's what's cool about the film for for me and I think for audiences will be that it it works as just sort of like a taut thriller, like just like you're on the edge of your seat yeah, like yeah, with yeah. these characters. Yeah, and that shocked me honestly when I saw it, and it was. Like you couldn't hear With anyone. The soundtrack, yeah. the, you know what I mean, and a feeling so constantly. Yeah, I was really messed up by watching that movie. I was way more messed up by watching it than making doing it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was gonna say because I know everyone's <laughs> talking to you about like, oh, it must have been so harrowing to shoot. This. Yeah, we've had this thing going on. It's I wish it was because <laughs> it would make these interviews much easier. Because right. everyone's like. Oh man! Tell us, <laughs> you must be so. Ah, oh, your time in prison when you recreated the recreation, right. and you all fell prey to each other's sadistic, <laughs> evil nature, and we were all just chilling. I mean, we were right. like having the best time. I mean, because you talked about uh, this, like it's like a, an amazing group of young actors and a, a lot of dudes, more dudes yeah. than you worked with probably yeah, in, yeah. in some time. Did you feel like is that is that a comfortable atmosphere to be with like must have been fifteen or twenty guys just sort of like on a set yeah. doing the shit yeah 
it was incredibly comfortable. Yeah. Uh, like such sweet energy. A lot of us knew each other. Right. A lot of us have been the the kids who have seen each other in auditions oh, sure. and or you know or had some correspondence where one of us took the role that another one really wanted or like Michael Angarano was joking yesterday that we're all the kids who didn't get Spider-Man. Right. <laughs> and uh, he also ran so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh <laughs> and but essentially, you know, but a lot of us really knew each other already and very quickly formed like a very yeah. deep love of one another. I'll tell you that being so comfortable in a crew of 24 dudes is not so com- is like has like not been a common experience for me. Right. You know what I mean? Like the the like sports team sure. or like the like boys part of the class or like you know what I mean? Like was like usually not going so well. So what was typically so this your was sort scene. of redeeming. Yeah, what's what was typically your scene? Like what's the environment that where you're most comfortable in, whether it's like a party or whatever, like what kind of a group of people? Um what kind of a group of and you mean like now yeah. or do you mean then? Well you can go take it either way, whatever you want. Uh wow, what kind what kind of people? <laughs> okay, you walk into a room and you see a certain group and you say, "This is not. This is like my worst nightmare." Like, what? What can't? What? Because yeah, they're like, they're like kind of like like lizardy people. They're right. wearing suits. Right. They're like, I would think that doesn't they, fit in well they, with. They're like, <laughs> yeah, they just like want to capture you. You see their tentacles right. coming out from behind, but they're hiding them. Okay, you know what I mean. You're right. Like good work hiding your tentacles underneath the well. Yeah, it's suit. so good to meet you. Right. You know what I mean. <laughs> the plastic smile. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You can see through that. Yeah, yeah. Think. If I walk in and there's a bunch of like crust punks and hippies and like rad spiritualists <laughs> doing acro yoga, I'm gonna be happy. <laughs> These are my yeah, people. You know Here we go. I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> see, well, speaking of that, I mean, like, you know, whenever I see you, like, you stand out in the best possible way. Like, you know, I saw you last night at the party, and it was like. I'm not going to miss Ezra. There he is. Um, <laughs> do you, do, is there something about like preconceived? I had some pheasant feathers in my hat. Authentic which pheasant I think feathers. we're sending up signals for you alone. <laughs> yes. It's the Josh Horowitz signal. Yeah, the pheasant feather. You know, <laughs> you know when you're called. <laughs> I'll come running. Ezra's nearby. But do you do you ever feel like you fall prey to kind of preconceived notions because of that? Because of like people. Because of the way you look, the way you dress, whatever, and does that bother you, or you're like, whatever? I think we all fall prey to preconceived notions. Yeah. I think everybody, I think we walk around in a delusional state where we're constantly assessing and judging one another, and yeah. it's what separates us constantly. Yeah. From the second you meet someone, you're devaluing them by going, they're white, they're male, they're... Yeah. Like, these classifications we make... Mm, when really it's like we're all the same right. human being. And yeah. so, yeah. Yes, I definitely am pissed about the pre- preconceived <laughs> notions That's what I want have about me. And I want to write them. But I feel like everybody feels that way yeah, at various times. Hey guys, time for a special message from one of our sponsors today, Martin Bow. And uh, really the subject at hand is a very important one. It's jeans. I'm not being facetious. Jeans are a staple for me. I literally wear jeans nine times out of ten days. Not nine days out of ten, maybe more. Um, so I don't know about you, but all I want out of jeans are 
ones that are affordable and look great and feel great. Those three things. And it's harder to accomplish than you would expect. But luckily, that's where Mott & Bow comes in. These guys are handcrafting premium jeans for guys at under $100 a pair. I can personally attest I've been wearing mine and they feel great and they look great. And uh, at this point, price you guys cannot beat it um plus you get a second waist size for free to try on when you order from them um the deal though is even better than that because for you guys out there for happy sad confused listeners all you have to do is simply go to mottandbow.com happy and you'll automatically get 20 percent off your purchase that's m-o-t-t-a-n-d-b-o-w.com slash happy uh and you'll get 20 percent off automatically applied at checkout try them today If I met your parents, would I see you? Like, are you very much a product of... Yes, definitely, definitely. And I think that meeting my parents is a way that people can, like... Oh, this makes sense. You know what I mean? When you're meeting someone, you meet their parents, and you're like, right. Right. Definitely. What do you get from either side? Oh, I hope to carry, uh, like, my mother's incredible... Like creative and um, and giving power and her compassion and her ability to like see people sure. and hear people uh, and I, I really hope to carry my father's like unbelievable gift of the word and ability to like organize his life and the lives of those around him to actually make like to actually improve everybody's quality of life. You know what I mean? Like that father father that he does in a way. Yeah. So, I mean, I hope to carry a lot of shit, but I probably also get like my dad's, maybe I'm just like my mom. (laughs) You know what I mean? Speaking of- She's never satisfied. Right. Why do we scream at each other? Right. Speaking of singing, (laughs) (laughs) singing's always been a part of your life, right? I mean, like that was like from the get go, was it opera that you were like actually trained in as a kid? Yeah. Yeah. I did. Opera, yeah, from the age of six, started training, then was in the Metropolitan Opera Children's Chorus from when I was like eight to when I was 11. So when you're six, I found a dope, actually, I found my Metropolitan Opera badge the other day, and I'm there, I'm like this eight-year-old, but I'm like trying to look cool. (laughs) It's pretty great. (laughs) Were you ever going to make a go of that? Was that ever like... Oh, yeah, for sure. My opera career was definitely in in the works. Really? Well, yeah. You don't go to school for that just to like do it as a... When I first did opera, I was like, I'm going to do performing arts. That's what I want to do with my life. Yeah. And then because I was in the opera, that that was definitely the scheme. At a certain point, I was going to be Luciano Pavarotti on the scene. (laughs) I was going to, I was going to, I'm serious. It was, that was going to really happen for me. What happened? Dude, you know, there's this terrible transitional period where the balls do descend, where the voice does change, (laughs) where one is kicked out of the opera. That's so unfair. (laughs) Biology sucks, man. Well, you know what? There used to be a way, Josh. Oh, yeah. And it involved bricks and a warm bath of milk. (laughs) Just be happy we're living in this century. And the church did it. (laughs) You understand? I got you. There used to be a way, but then we decided it was unethical. <laughs> so what you're saying is you weren't devoted. I was you deprived. Were not, you were not. You could have done it. Dude. I could have done it, but they wouldn't crush my balls. I'm sure there's a guy you could have found. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> yeah, probably, right? It's a horrifying yeah. back alley. You just go on Craigslist. Yeah, yeah, There's yeah, just someone yeah. for everything. Looking for <laughs> castrator. This is important. Single My career rests on this. <laughs> seeking castrator. Eight-year-old boy seeks castrator. Oh, no. Craigslist. <laughs> Did you find, when you turned to acting, was it, was it relatively immediate that you were getting work? That you were... That you were finding this to be a viable gig? Um, I, I remember when I first, I mean, so I, I'd done, I'd met this woman, Liz Suedos, Elizabeth Suedos, who's yeah. an amazing New York artist, s- still on the scene, still constantly doing amazing things, beautiful expressions. She wrote this musical with a group of kids who had left home who were underage but were living on the streets of New York City. She wrote a musical with them back in the 80s and wow. it went to Broadway and it was a hit. It was called Runaways. Okay. And um, I did a revival of that at, at Joe's Pub. And so through that, I got my first representation. Nice. Somebody came backstage and was like... One of the wizard people came backstage. Exactly. Dude. <laughs> Dude. Yes. Yes. And much thanks to them because they really helped me out. Yeah. Um, uh, but they were like, yeah, let's send you out. And they started sending me out. And I remember that it initially it was a lot of the stuff that I really didn't want to, to do. And so I didn't really understand what I was doing. It was like commercials For a second. Like I knew I was interested yeah. in like working in film because, it, you know. Um, but yeah, or like a like Nickelodeon shows that I didn't really understand the premise of. <laughs> you know what Explain I mean? Explain this like, to me again. Yeah, Why yeah, is the green yeah. slime fall, fall, right. falling yeah, in my head? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, <laughs> okay, so, right. The shoe is a portal. Right. <laughs> and then and then they're just in super cool mode where they're the right. coolest ever. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and then I read this script. I read this script... Uh, when I'd been doing it for a couple months and was starting to be like, no, 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 yeah. this is whack. I read this script uh, called After School. Right. And the, off and running. Um, you know what I mean? Just when you then are seeing a piece of art and yeah. you're like, whoa, this, would, this, this connects to me in a way that I haven't even been able to connect to myself sure. as a 14-year-old. And I would, you know, I want to explore this, which ended up being a very dark road, yeah. a twisted road, a I mean, very fruitful road. The, the, the first time I think a lot of people encountered you, uh, I was at Cannes when, when We Need to Talk About Kevin was there, and I met, that's another experience of seeing mm. that film for the first time mm. that was seared into my brain because I don't know if I've seen it since, honestly, and not because it's not a great film, but it was just like, it was an experience. It was a tough one. It's a tough sit, but it's a yeah. worthy sit. What do you remember about... And when you think of, we need to talk about Kevin, do you think about the experience of making it? Do you think about the reaction? Think about Tilda? What do you think of? Yeah, I think about all those things. I think about Lynn Ramsey and how she's, the, uh, I think, like a really, really important filmmaker and how I, I really, uh, yeah, I, I wish for her return as ever. Yeah. She, she does this, though. She's got to duck out into the... She had a near miss like a couple years ago. I mean, she's got she's someone clearly with integrity, and it's not going to do it on. Yeah, man, it's hard to be like the Iggy Pop of filmmaking on the scene. You know what I mean? People are like, "No, write a happy ending," and she'll be like, "No, (laughs) I'll just not do it." (laughs) Yeah, I'll just not do it. Peace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so she'll (laughs) wait. Um, But yeah, I think about Lynn. Think about 
Tilda, who, you know, these are some of the greatest human beings on the planet. You know what I mean? Lynn Ramsey, Tilda Swinton, John C. Riley. Like, I think about the humans. Yeah. Rory Stewart Kinnear, like these people who are really, really beautiful. And I feel really honored to have been a part of that. And then I also, yeah, I also, like, think about a lot of aspects of, like, what that exploration, both in making it and then in promoting it, meant for me and a lot of... uh, confrontations with myself that ultimately I feel were useful. <laughs> you, um, so it's circling it back around to where we're going and where we're going next, which is, it's, it's odd to be in a film that's not coming out for three years that you know, like, you know your future. Like, you know you're The Flash, and you know it doesn't come out for three years. That's true. Which is like... But The it, Flash, once he crosses the event horizon... <laughs> it doesn't even matter. Time doesn't matter. Yeah. One, so it's I, I like, think of I'm course I know I'll be in The Flash. <laughs> You're there right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, can you tell me, like, I, I know you can't say much, but, like, from a character perspective, why is this an exciting project? I mean, you're not one to sign on for a superhero movie just because, oh, I want to be in a superhero movie. Why is Barry Allen, why is The Flash a cool character? Uh, without without uh, implying or revealing any even inklings of ideas about <laughs> of course what that not. character Never. will even be like at all. I think the idea of this, you know, Barry Allen is the hero of the Silver Age, right, who um, who follows a lot of really interesting discoveries in physics is like right. where he comes from is we figured out the event horizon was there and then he was the character that was created through the yeah. through our mythos machine of comic books to break that event horizon so we could explore you know in fantasy yeah. and i think that's an interesting idea and what's an interesting idea to me is like what the fuck does that do to someone right <laughs> metabolism shaking up a little bit i would think yeah yeah and your head yeah yeah <laughs> Um, did it take much convincing from Zach and company, or was it kind of an immediate, like, this... Did they give you a good sell that really got you on board immediately? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Zach got on the phone and said some stuff. Uh, in terms of the thematic explorations that he's interested in, in yeah. this, for the long haul, yeah, within the DC world. Yeah. And it really appeals to me, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, 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 yeah. So I was, I was pretty quickly sold by a silver-tongued Zack Snyder. <laughs> he's a, he's a, he's, a, he's a, a persuasive guy in my experience as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> have you, have you, been, have you been watching? It must be, be fun to see this stuff. Like when a Batman versus Superman trailer comes out now, like you're like, I'm a fan, but I'm also like, I'm kind of part of that. That's kind of amazing. Yes, it is. It is definitely that experience, Josh. I can't even really <laughs> I tell you what it feels like. Okay. <laughs> Are you? You know, it's a mate. You know, yeah, yeah. You're like, it's Batman. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're like, I'm gonna get to hang out with these guys. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Are you avoiding this TV show? Because people like the TV show, as you know. I'm not avoiding it. I'm not avoiding it at all. Yeah. I think it's awesome. Oh, really? Yeah, I think it's awesome. Yes. And come on, we're the Flash. We It's parallel universes. It's all good. Grant Gustin <laughs> is the Flash, and I'm the Flash. Don't you see? It's the event horizon. We crossed it, baby. Grant and I are chilling. Yeah. We're going to have a race. It's going to be dope. Like Jay Garrick and Barry Allen back in the day, it's gonna be dope. So, are you learning this now, or were you a comic guy 
Great. I've been a comic guy, but yeah. I'm going in as hard as Clearly. possible yeah, yeah, because yeah. I have a serious excuse to. Yeah, <laughs> I well. have the ultimate license <laughs> to geek out so hard all the time. Sorry, Gosh, guys, I got to read more comic books. I'm sorry. I know you talk to people in this position a lot, but do you understand what I'm going through? I do. do you? And we're all jealous of you, but happy for you as well. But here's what I realized is that anyone could just read, just choose to read comic books all the time. And when people were like, what about literature? You'd yeah. be like, whatever, man. <laughs> <laughs> Um, are you able to say anything about Fantastic Beasts? It sounds like you're going to be a part of yet another ginormous universe, the Harry you know, Potter. You know, I wish they'd tell me something about it because I keep hearing from people that yeah. it's on the internet. It is on the interwebs. Well, I'll tell you, I wish they could perhaps release you get from your in touch. Get in touch with this guy. Send me the script. You haven't seen Perhaps okay. tell me the character. No, literally, I've only heard about this. Oh, really? Through people like you okay, being so like, tell me what you know. Okay. I'm like, tell me what you know, man. <laughs> when am I playing? When's the start date? You want to you... be my agent? Will you call them and ask them, if ask them what's going on? Because it sounds cool. What the hell? So you haven't talked to anybody about this? And nobody talks to nobody talks to weird, you know. Weird Ezra, no. It's the it's probably a case of the old actor mushroom right. parallel. You understand? <laughs> it's the event horizon all over again. Yeah. I'm just gonna use that as an excuse from now on. Sure. I don't really understand. <laughs> but yeah, I think we understand each other. What's your abstractly? <laughs> <laughs> What's on the to-do list in the next next few months? Are you back to music? Do you have a are you working again soon or? Um, yeah, there will, there will be a lot of music. We're releasing a, a bunch of content. I was just, we've been shooting a bunch of videos. We've got this album and we'll be releasing. We've got, uh, our friend CX Kidtronic, uh, made us a very wonderful remix. We're very excited to release. And yeah, so a lot of music stuff. Nice. And, uh, and you're, are you still living in New York? Is New York home or is LA home? Um, New York. New yeah. York is is the home base. New York and Vermont. Uh, nice. Vermont is the home base, and then is is L.A. off the? It's not off. It's just. It's not off yet. Okay. The fault lines hold. <laughs> <laughs> as long as they're intact, it's a possibility. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, no, no. L.A. is awesome. Yeah. Uh, and New York is awesome, yeah. and Vermont is very awesome. Okay. And uh, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to be more at home in the various places where I have yeah. to be all the time. I mean, we talked about this at the beginning. And of sort disassociate of, home. Right. Yeah. <laughs> of, of like retaining your own self and your own sanity through this process. Is there, how are you doing that differently than, say, Perks, which is probably an overwhelming experience to kind of bring it back full circle. Are you, com are you coming into all this talking to folks like me a little differently? Uh, yeah. I mean... Um, Sleeping. That's important. Eating. <laughs> Kids out there, listen. No, seriously, yeah. like, chill a little. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, um, meditating. Yeah. You know? Like, taking some time to not be thinking all of the crazy thoughts that were constantly, you know what I mean? Right. Or just taking time and time with family, time with my friends who I Bounce it love out and value, yeah. you know what I mean? And, like... Yeah, making sure you stay close to your your roots, right. even as your leaves brush the sky. <laughs> this is the real stuff, man. Sitting in front of curtains, in front of cameras, talking to folks like me. This is authentic, 
Oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is real. This is where I derive the nourishment from. But actually, Josh, to be real, I think you do provide more person-to-person nourishment than is standard within a <laughs> lights, cameras, interview context. I and take I mean that as that. a high compliment. Thank you. Right back at you, buddy. Uh, we'll wrap up with. Uh, could someone help me? Since I'm tethered here, to grab this little silly hat. <laughs> um, uh-oh. For the podcast, I usually ask folks to grab a couple random questions from mm-hmm. an Indiana Jones fedora, because why not? Mm-hmm. Uh, are you ready? I am. Okay, dig in there, Mitt, buddy. Thanks for the audio help, yeah. That's good. Yeah, yeah, I knew yeah. I needed some <laughs> crinkling. <laughs> what do you like on your hot dog? <laughs> Is this a question for you or for me as well? I can answer it too, but let's start, let's, let's see if we gel. Um, ketchup, mustard, relish. I wouldn't mind bacon or cheese. Wow. And if you want to throw on some sauerkraut, I'd be pretty thrilled. Where's the hot dog in there? You've destroyed the hot dog with all these, like... Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Did I have to say hot dog is one of the ingredients? <laughs> You're just saying that I'm drowning out the hot dog? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm hoping for a substantial hot dog that can hold its own. Right. <laughs> amidst the fray. <laughs> See, I'm a minimalist. How about you? Little, little mustard, that's all I need. Little mustard, and little, that's it. Yeah, and I don't want, not yellow mustard either. I cannot stand yellow mustard. Whoa. That's going to kill me. It's very Deutsch. That's, very, <laughs> that's the proper. You're on it. I <laughs> respect that. I respect, I respect your hot dog minimalism. Uh, one or two more, and then I release you back into the wild, Ezra. Yeah, I'm going for these juicy bottom ones. Yeah, I can see that. That's Deep in the fedora. Only the amateurs take the top ones. What movie do you know by heart? I know a bunch of movies by heart. Um, Clockwork Orange, I can hit it pretty solid. Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, I've got covered. Uh, Wizard of Oz, I'm pretty solid on even. All right. Yeah, a a couple Muppet movies. Muppet (laughs) Treasure Island, all day, every day. Really, of all the Muppet movies, Treasure Island, huh? Uh, Are you kidding? Okay. I'm older than you, so I think, no, 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 I think no. back look, to Muppet look. Movie and Great Muppet Caper. Uh, that's more my... Word, and I'm okay. with those hard. <laughs> okay. Hard. But for me, Muppet Treasure Island, right. Tim Curry. There you go. You're peeking. That, that kid, <laughs> that kid, you know? Right. That kid. The kid that the stole kid. the show. He stole the show. <laughs> From a Muppet, which with is his, tough to do. And he had that... You remember he had the rat tail? I need to return back to it, I'll be honest. Uh, I was making my way through the first minute of that conversation. So good. <laughs> Dude, the Muppet Treasure Island. Everyone, everyone stop listening to the podcast. <laughs> we have one more question. It's not going to get any better than this. Go and watch the Muppet Treasure Island nothing else again. from Ezra. It's Clockwork Orange and Muppet. They make a good double feature. Go watch Clockwork Orange <laughs> and then watch the Muppet Treasure Island. And you that? know Is what? Blank? You picked the blank one. Like That's he, where the interview ends, my friends. He got Yahtzee. <laughs> what does that symbolize? Let's get on the couch for Surrender, a second. Surrender, to my understanding, <laughs> which I'm all for. Uh, Ezra, it's always good to see you, buddy. I'm, I'm very happy for you to be back uh, in front of the camera for our benefit and for mine. Um, These two you can have. Oh, thanks, bud. You can keep the blank one. Keep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll see you down the road. Thank thanks you, Josh. as always, man. Hello, Internet. 
Paul F. Tompkins here. You may know me as a guest on all of your favorite shows and three shows you don't like all that much. But now I have a show of my own, Spontanea Nation, where I pick the guests. I finally have the power. First, I interview wonderful people like Colin Hanks, Caitlin Olson, and Michael Sheen. Then a cadre of elite improvisers and I will use that interview to spin a crazy improvised story. How crazy? This crazy. Diane, when we met, I may have ended your life by vampiric means and made you a vampire. That would explain why I keep drinking people's blood. (laughs) And why your skin is so fresh and radiant. Yeah, and I tried to kill myself a bunch of times and it did not work. With music by the incomparable Eben Schletter and yours truly hosting, it's Spontanea Nation, only on Earwolf. Only for you, Damien. I'm doing this for you. Pop. Pop? Pop. 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 Wolf Pop is part of Midroll Media, executive produced by Adam Sachs, Matt Gorley, and Paul Shear.